Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Get inspirational gifts and apparel by visiting bookofzen.com. Each item featuring one of my own original thought-provoking sayings. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Million Dollar Lecture by Professor Erwin Haskell Schell, delivered to the 1920 graduating class of MIT. Having talked with you about the importance of finding, making, and keeping friends, the next resource that I want to see upon the asset side of your personal balance sheet is the ability in the art of cooperation. This is a characteristic in which the technically trained person is often found to be lamentably weak, but I think that weakness may be readily explained and improved upon. The scientific method in which we are all trained is a method of analysis. Analysis is essentially critical, and our viewpoint tends to be likewise. The error which we frequently make is in assuming that the critical attitude demands individuality of action, as well as thought, and we then adopt a non-cooperative attitude. We view industry through the eyes of a reformer, as something to be revolutionized rather than evolutionized. Business, of course, does need independent thinkers and idealists, and the last thing we demand of executives is mass thinking. But business also demands of you practical vision of present conditions and a willingness to enter the firing line and work with the others in an attempt to better a given situation. It has been said that the progress of civilization is based upon our progress in the art of cooperation. Cooperation in turn is based upon confidence in one's leaders and associates and the presence of a common group purpose. Now, service to industrial progress is a purpose which is common to many business professionals. It has become almost their religion. They have not hesitated to sacrifice personal gain or ambition to this greater aim. I believe that sooner or later you will embrace industrial progress as your own fundamental interest. Improve it by your willingness to step into line and shoulder your share of the job. When you do this, your associates will feel assured that you have found your work and place within the organization. And you will find that your viewpoint will not be, what will I get? But rather, what can I give? You will be constantly trying to improve the ratio of your effective production to the time spent in accomplishment. You will be alert to better the coordination of your work with that of others. You will become adept in accomplishing results without causing friction or ill feeling. In short, you will learn to cooperate. One more point. Be sincere in your cooperation. Get into a business that you personally want to see succeed. Then work for the business. Put its welfare before any consideration of yourself. 
apply yourself continually to the problem of its advancement, not your own personal interests. Business people are keen to sense this element of sincerity in service. It is a virtue much sought after by employers. Now, the next thing that I want to talk to you about deals with the development of your future habits. We all have learned about the great increases in production which were brought about by automatic machinery in industry. But we probably have not realized that we have in our own possession remarkable facilities for making automatic many of our own activities by carefully forming our habits. Unfortunately, we rarely see habits as being anything but bad. This is certainly an error on our part, for there is no better way for us to capitalize our experience and make ourselves increasingly productive than by the development of effective habits. I am sure that none of you expect that an increase in age necessarily brings increased earning power. Earning power increases as productiveness increases and if we are to increase our output in relation to time, it must be done by improving the ratio of our output to our effort. The formation of the proper habits allow us to reduce the amount of effort necessary to perform given tasks. It is the development of habit that lies at the bottom of the successful principle of the division of labor. Now, there are several habits which I want to talk about. First, let us consider habits of work. I am sure you will agree with me that hard work is becoming a habit with you. Technology, as I have said before, aims to train you to work hard. You have a good start in this direction, but you must not lose your momentum. I can think of no reward that I would rather see you win than the reputation of a hard worker. I do not mean that you must work unthinkingly and without results. There are some people who seem to believe that if they cultivate an atmosphere of action, the work will take care of itself. Rather, I recommend that all of you spend a few moments reading William James' essay on vital reserves for it will teach you the greater value of calmness and serenity in gaining high productive efficiencies. Remember this, never allow high wages or a pleasant working environment to tempt you into a position where you cannot safeguard and continue to develop your habits of industry. There is nothing that will be more destructive to your own worth and value than the formation of the habit of loafing on the job. You may find that there are times when you will have to use every bit of your imagination to keep yourself consistently busy, but you owe it to yourself to be active in any position which you may be filling. Never lose your grip on work. It is the handle of success. If you want to read a little book that reflects my feeling in this matter, I would suggest Arnold Bennett's How to Live on 24 Hours a Day. It will help you to keep on your toes 
and not waste your opportunities. Next, there are habits of thought to be formed and safeguarded. I hope that you may never forget the need of humility before truth. Face the facts as you find them, not as you wish them. Think fearlessly. The business of today lies in the grasp of great economic forces, which are still too unorganized to control. We must understand the trend of these forces, and until we are able to guide them, trim our sails to make use of them rather than oppose them. Business people have been accused of being cold-blooded. In reality, they are normally individuals of strong emotions, controlled and guided by the intellect. Judgment is an affair of the intellect, not of the emotions, and facts must be distinguished from opinions, that which must be considered rather than hoped for. Business needs people who are intellectually courageous, who are not afraid to ask why, and whose minds are freed from the pressure of emotions. I want you to retain your habits of mental concentration and penetration. I have found a great need in business for workers who can concentrate on a given problem and stay with it until they come to an answer. It is surprising how many people allow their minds to jump from one subject to another without effectively dealing with any. Learn to think deeper into a subject than the average person. Often it is this last increment of penetration into a business matter which unearths the weak point or shows the true solution. In these days of narrowing profits, we must be right a much larger percentage of the time than we have been in the past. Lastly, I wish there were some way in which I could really impress you with the importance of forming habits of health. There is so much talk about health, and when young we usually have such a surplus that we don't give these habits due weight. But my mother told me, your health should be your first consideration. I dismissed her advice lightly. Three years later, when I spent two weeks in bed, due to lack of sleep and a poor diet, feeling that all of my work of the past months might be wasted as the result of my absence from the job, I recall my mother's instruction rather vividly. So listen to me when I tell you, don't try to economize on your food. Eat as healthily as you can, whether at home or dining out. Take exercise regularly and systematically. I have run the gamut of experiments in exercise, including long walks, gym memberships, and bicycling, as well as pickup games of basketball and volleyball. The two things which endanger the continuance of any plan are the amount of preparation necessary and the amount of time required. It takes initiative to make preparations to exercise, and this form of initiative is not common to most of us. We are prone to plan to do more in a day than is possible, 
when the program is shortened, exercise usually suffers. Personally, I have gained more benefit over a period of several years from what Charles Atlas referred to as dynamic tension, which are self-resistance exercises, which pits muscle against muscle, and which are often used in the martial arts. You can do them almost anytime or anywhere, without preparation, and you'll both see and feel the results. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org slash patron. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.